1: Market moving insight and analysis join Jim Cramer, David Faber and me, Carl Quintanilla on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber live from separate locations. Uh, Futures are soaring after Tuesday's rally as vaccine hopes return. This time it's Moderna, full phase one data, AstraZeneca chatter in the mix as well. And then there's Goldman. The biggest earnings beat in nearly a decade. Oil hits 41, looking past some of the dour Fed commentary of the past 48 hours. Jim, and we're going to make another run at thirty-two,
2: thirty-five. Yeah, boy, you're so right to key on that because there are a lot of people who just think, if we can break through that, uh, then we're going to be able to say, when we get a vaccine, it's just going to be game, set, match for the Bulls, uh, because we're already at this level without the vaccine. Uh, I think that today is a confluence of you get Goldman puts uh, City, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan in the rearview mirror. Goldman, lowest price earnings his Well, Maybe it goes to the highest price earnings his because it's the old Goldman Sachs model. So we've got Moderna uh, talking up a uh, Blue Street this morning on Squawk with Meg making us feel like, you know what? Inject my left arm, please. We've got the Goldman Sachs number that looks like the old, <laughs> days, David Faber, <laughs> Goldman, reminds me of when, I don't know, what, 18 years ago?
3: Yeah, uh, it, it is a it is a report from Goldman that is, uh, you can liken to sort of some of their early, the earlier years of their dominance when they were only recently a public company, Jim. Or really, let's not forget, their record quarters were actually right at the end of the Financial meltdown of 0809. So remember the, how they businesses. remember the numbers they printed then. But this is a very strong quarter yeah. for them. Now listen perhaps not that big a surprise. I know I say that we've sat here and talked about the incredible activity, record-setting activity in debt and equity capital markets. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't take a genius to hear Goldman Sachs' name and so many of the offerings that are taking place. The trading always is harder to understand and gauge, Jim. Uh, and they obviously did extraordinarily well there. So their FIC numbers, their equity numbers, their overall banking numbers, very strong. MA, my area is, you know, not, as strong, not very strong no, but for I'm what is I'm still be. a best, powerhouse. Best in investment banking quarter ever. Yeah. And David, you
2: know what they did on that fixed income, Dex? What? Whamma-jamma.
3: Whamma-jamma. They means a lot they just whamma-jamma. move them
2: around. When they move them around, they take a vig, okay?
3: Right. And the vig is big and the risk is nil. And that's what I liked about this quarter. And it's, uh, Carl, of course, it is a Dow component, so it is going to have an outsized impact on that statistically irrelevant index, uh, given it is price-weighted, not market cap-weighted, as we like to point out. But the Dow will be up uh, as a result of of that. Um, But, Carl, yesterday we saw a decent number from J.P. Morgan, and we saw the stock fade to some extent. And we saw, not you know, what was it we thought? Decent numbers, again, from Citi, not Wells. Um, but here, the question I still think will be, what about the macroeconomic environment? What does it say with the market up, but the 10-year still sitting at
1: 0.64? Yeah, wow. that's, uh, that's been raised a couple of times this morning, Jim, whether or not, what, what bonds are not getting. Uh, to David's point about Goldman and macro, they do see 2020 GDP down 4.6, but up 5.8 next year, yep. uh, which sort of is a number we would all take. Look,
2: I, I, I'm torn here. Because I feel like that the, uh, when I go through J.P. Morgan, when I go through Citi, I'm going to go through Wells. What were they saying? The future's uncertain. The future is murky. We don't know what the future is. Now, Goldman kind of gave you a boilerplate. We don't know what the future is. But i got to tell you, I'm looking at this number, and the future's brighter than the past. And it puts what I regard as being yesterday's gloom to rest. Uh, if, I want people, if you want to hear a conference call about a company that just says, we are, we are awful, but we're not gonna stay awful. The Wells Fargo quarter. It was literally uh, line by line, we are very, very negative. When you contrast that with Goldman, this market has no memory, Carl. I mean, what was, you know, now you start saying, what was Wells Fargo as like a stagecoat? What was that? It was a stump, I don't know. And now suddenly you've got Solomon. And, and we forgot what happened yesterday. In The same way that, that Pfizer had a really, really good news about a vaccine. Uh, and, well, we forgot about that. And here we are back again buying Norwegian Cruise because <laughs> of the Moderna. And we had this, this cheap medical officer from Moderna. I remember, Moderna sold a lot of stock, but maybe that was premature. It was ill-advised. But we listened to the fellow from Moderna, and he made me feel like, okay, this is over. Let's move on to the next thing. David, what is the next
3: thing? oh man what is the next thing I, I i i don't know i mean once we're all vaccinated david what do we do we go to the, we go to the Mets sure sure why not let's go or i mean we'd even go into an arena I, I'd feel much more comfortable going outdoors to watch sport a sporting event well i've got to um, tell you Carl. I don't th- think you know uh jim when do we really think we're going to be vaccinated Thank you. let's come back to that for a moment because of course <laughs> moderna it's 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 good news it echoes what we saw in the even earlier, smaller number. This is still only, what, 45, 48 people, something like that in the current trial. But when do we really think that there will be a vaccine available to us that we will be able to take, that we know will be safe, that we know will be effective, and that therefore will allow us to get back to normal life? Well,
2: have you tried to enroll? No. All right, I tried. Uh, And my doctor said, uh, are you out of your mind? Uh, This is... You enroll in the third trial. You don't enroll in the first or the second. And I think that that's indicative of the fact that there could be so many things wrong. And remember, it doesn't really work unless about 75 percent of the people take it. Now, when you go on Twitter, you read about things, there's just so much misinformation about vaccines. But we have had vaccines that have really hurt people. And I don't believe that the FDA, even this FDA, is going to just just rubber stamp a vaccine. So, yeah, I think David's right. I think this is really about Super Bowl time. It's not about uh, it's not about World Series time.
1: Uh, It does bring to mind, Jim, uh, uh, this comment that we got out of Ken Frazier yesterday, uh, CEO of Merck, about um, the pressure, in his words, for pharma to put a vaccine to use. Here's what he said.
4: What worries me the most is that the public is so hungry is so desperate to go back to normalcy that they're pushing us to move things faster and faster but ultimately if you're going to use a vaccine in billions of people you better know what that vaccine does mm-hmm. all right
1: jim what do we make of that
2: ken frazier has been the voice of reason on this and almost all other times i remember there was another company that had a very aggressive uh, anti-cancer platform and anti-cancer advertisement is bristol myers and Ken Frazier uh, had the better drug, Keytruda, but he would never do that. He would never say, hey, listen, Keytruda is this, 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 because he never wanted to give anybody false hope. Uh, I think he's the beacon. I think he understands that false hope uh, is the enemy of, of what we really need because it, it just creates whole family uh, havoc. And so I like what he had to say. I did not like a Moderna said, listen, we have to release this. We have to release this. Right. They don't have to release it. What is there, a federal rule? We have to release it? David, is there some rule which says no. we have to hype it after 57 days? No, there, I mean, I, I mean, in
3: the Constitution, must hype vaccine and, after, what was that, the 28th Amendment? And you've made the point that Moderna is somewhat promotional as a company. Yes. That said, they come on, uh, they get strong questioning from Meg Terrell, and, and people can make their own decisions in terms of what they're saying. But they are... Promotional. We know that. Remember the stock sale as well that took place after another release of news that they didn't have to put out there into the marketplace, perhaps. Uh, I would come back to Merck and, and point out, as I have many times, they are more focused on the oral antivirals that they believe will be potentially effective. EIDD 2801, which I've talked about a bunch of times, Roger Perlmutter, the man who runs. Uh, Is president of Merck Research Laboratories, is certainly positive on that. So they're going in a somewhat different, at least having a different focus, which may be one reason why Mr. Frazier is saying the things that he is. They are more focused on trying to get into the marketplace an oral antiviral that could be taken earlier, if not even prophylactically, Jim, that would also halt the progression of the virus very early in transmission. Yeah, that's Regeneron's goal,
2: too, mon- right. monoclonal, anybody. Uh, you know, right. called the breadth of companies. I mean, you have to find a company. You have to look far and wide to find a drug company that's not involved in this. Uh, and notice, you know, yep. it's an election year. You don't hear people talking about like, outrageous prices of pharma. But I will. There's one document that I want to see. I want to see if anyone sold any stock at Moderna today or tomorrow. Because that will really determine to me what? whether I, whether this thing has just got to be put a total asterisk. If they sell stock, right. I mean, uh, Memo, Memo Moderna, you don't have to sell. Just sit on
1: it. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a form uh, for us, Jim, uh, the CEO and the CMO uh, with uh, insider sale. Uh, it seems like every time we get episodic data there, it, it's accompanied by some kind of stock sale, whether it's prearranged or not. And Dr. Zacks did comment on what Ken Fraser said when he talked to Squawkbox Box this morning, take a listen.
0: I can't comment to his statement except to say that I believe we have an ethical obligation to advance this vaccine as fast as possible, given the unmet need on one hand and given what science enables us to do on the other. I think it is incumbent upon us to do this in a manner that's responsible, judicious and accounts for a, a, and the emerging understanding of the safety profile. And I think we're doing that by ensuring that our phase three is a large phase three.
1: We should point out, Jim, also, uh, AstraZeneca is on the cover of Business Week. I mean, they're already doing 10,000 patient trials. Uh, ITV this morning with a piece that The Lancet is going to have positive news on AZN. So uh, you're right that we only need one shot to go right. in the goal, right? Lancet and we're going to take about 100 one. shots.
2: Absolutely. Lancet was the first one that broke this uh It's a little more opinion oriented. Uh, I know everyone has a view on New England Journal of Medicine, which is where uh, pretty straightforward, which is where the Moderna news came. Uh, Lancet, I think, is is a little more subjective. So I I care a lot about AstraZeneca. Again, I mean, AstraZeneca, that's an also ran drug company, so to speak. But they are doing great
3: things. Someone is going to solve this. Yes. Yes. And that's really the takeaway. And and, and Jim, don't forget J&J, right They're They're right in there as well. Right. Uh, not an insignificant company, to say the least. And they've and very already much built focused factories on it. and they have emergent bio. Those guys
2: are ready. but People think there's a vial problem. No, Honeywell's ready with billions of vials with a new a material that they've got. So take that off the uh, uh, off but, the question. But there yeah. is a gap. There's right. this gap between when the uh, the, di- the nice things that Jamie Dimon talked about on this quarter, the unemployment benefits, PPP, when that runs out. And when the vaccine is, that is the gap that we have to be worried about. How long, yep. how long can we go with no stimulus yep. and no vaccine?
1: Hmm. Especially with some key benefits set to expire in about oh 10 days, Jim, yep. uh, to your point. Yep. When, when we come back, uh, a lot of analyst calls to get to this morning. Upgrades of Harley and Wells, uh, new street high on Apple, downgrade of Amex and Chipotle hiring 10,000 employees. We're back in a moment. Those futures, Empire looked pretty good. Let's get industrial production as well with Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Yes, Carl. Empire did
4: look pretty good. Industrial production should be coming out momentarily. It's a June read. Uh, an old number, of industrial production, goes back to 1919. And the lowest level was uh, in April at minus 12.53. This number coming in at up 5.4%. Up 5.4%. That, of course, follows a uh, 1.4 that, at least up to this point, is unrevised. And 5.4 actually is a nice number considering uh, the expectations were for about 4% 4% capacity utilization. This number only goes back to 1967. 68.6. 68.6. This is coming off of 64 and change. That was the worst level ever going back to 1967. So we see that both these numbers are better than expected. As a matter of fact, Pretty much all data is better than expected as of late. And what's going on? Well, let's look at intraday of ten-year note yields, shall we? Here they are hovering at 64 and a half. They just were at 65 basis points. They gave up just a smidge of ground. But what's interesting as you look at that intraday chart is to flip it to last Friday when the intraday low is fifty-six basis points, which was riding just two basis points above the all-time low yield close for March, which was 54 basis points. So even though it doesn't seem commensurate with the amount of horsepower stocks have displayed as of late, it does speak volumes to the notion of trust with regard to the divergence between what many perceive as the strength of the economy versus the strength of the stock market. Why does that matter? Because the best hedge for that, of course, is to continue to pile into safe credits like sovereigns, whether it's the uh, European sovereigns, which, of course, are also safe, or the U.S. Treasuries, and you see that showing up in the form of uh, lots of buying as of late. Uh, the only maturity that seems somewhat uh, insulated from that is the longest maturity, 30-year bond. Finally, let's look at a two-day of tens minus twos yield curve, you know, we're having bank earnings. Much of the horsepower is from trading, uh, not necessarily from, uh, the, you know, the interest spreads. But you do see that this is getting back up towards 50 basis points. And finally, the euro versus the dollar or the dollar index, both are having rather substantial moves. A uh, One week of the euro versus the dollar shows it's covered a lot of ground. Basically, from 112.5 to 114.5, should it close at these levels, would be the best close since early 2019. Carl, Jim, David, back to you.
1: Okay, Rick. (laughs) See you later, uh, Rick Santelli. We want to touch on Apple as well. Major victory against the uh, EU as Europe's second highest court rejects an EU order to pay $15 billion in Irish back taxes. Jim, even as Needham goes to 450, that matches a street high today.
2: Yeah, and look, there's still one more. Uh, there's a higher court. you got to believe that they'll, they'll prosecute that. This big win for Apple, I think that what I like more about Apple is th- this Needham note starts finally talking about the lifetime value of an Apple customer, given the fact that you have uh, – you have iPads, you have uh, watches, you have AirPods. You're beginning to start getting an earning stream. Maybe someone, a unique user's worth, say, $2,000. And what that says to you is this run is really the beginning of what Uh, is a service company, which is much stickier than an actual phone company. So the old days when Tony Saguenegi would come on Scott Wapner's show and say the best days are behind Apple, of course, that was at 100, 200, and I I know he's trying to tee it up at 400, but he won't be able to. What it says is basically, you know what, service company, based on a, a device and yes david you know what that is in the old days before dollar shave before harry's before the yes. plastic that made it so you can't open it at CVS or even go to CVS i know what because it is COVID. it's a razor razor blade
3: <laughs> business there you go thank you yeah there you go you just I, david you I, you it's because of jeopardy right i know your you punchline. put that in the form of how a many years have we been doing the show <laughs> even from distance i can still at least i can look at you and actually see you over there um You know, Jim, I mean, the ascent of Apple has certainly been one of the features of this uh, COVID market as well. One point seven trillion market cap only a couple of days ago, backed off ever so slightly, but still up 32 percent. You continue to be very positive on the future of the company. The one thing we haven't really talked about that much this morning is China. Uh, It's so important to Apple. We know what's going on in Hong Kong. The sanctions now it's going to be a while until those sanctions actually take effect in terms of banks in Hong Kong, U.S., and or any banks. But this is not getting any better. This is only going in one direction. And that would seem to be a risk for Apple, given how important China is to its business. No, you're right.
2: I don't want to – I'm so excited about the moving in India and how great this uh, – the new cycle, the 5G cycle is. But you're absolutely right, David, because it's not saber rattling anymore. I mean, this is just pure 1947 Cold War behavior on – And and I think we cannot overlook the fact that there's a major deal coming between China and Iran, and that is not going to sit well with the Peter Navarros of the world. Hey, Peter penned an interesting piece in USA Today. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. He threw Fauci under how many buses, (laughs) David? What is the one that goes clear across as the M seven, M one hundred four? Yeah, the one hundred four. Well,
3: and eighty six and seventy nine. Yeah, he did. that yeah, the amazing. ones that are really long that have the yeah. accordion stretch. Yeah, I think he, he's yeah he he threw him under that one. Wow. Um, uh, who are you going to take? Who are you going to take for your advice? You're going into the uh, you know you're you're worrying about something or you're dealing with something medical related. You're going to talk to Navarro first or Fauci, Jim.
2: Navarro Niv- uh, 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 really plays a doctor only on, uh, in USA Today. Mm-hmm. Play a doctor on TV. Just
1: just say it, Jim. Ron Vera could not be reached for comments. (laughs) I think the bro's funny. Uh, He likes the Buffalo
2: Bills. He's a terrific character. I knew him when I was in college. I mean, I don't know. Dr. Fauci seems like a likable fella.
1: (laughs) we will take a break. A lot to cover here in a moment. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open, midday, and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
3: All right, let's get to a mad dash, Mr. Softy. Right, Mr. Softy. Well, David, we have to start getting used
2: to the idea of paying. 36 times next year's earnings from Microsoft. Why? Because it has consistent uh, double-digit growth. This is a note from from BMO. And what I find most interesting about this note, David, is we're beginning to try to justify very high price-to-earnings multiples on traditional growth stocks. What we don't want to do is see too many of these because that's what we did in 1999. And that's been the comparison that a lot of the who's ever remaining bears, the bears keep talking about 1999. And they say, well, remember, we used to think, holy cow, uh, we're comfortable paying 36 times earnings for 40 times earnings for for, uh, Cisco, 40 times earnings in 1999. Are we now growing comfortable paying 36 times earnings for Microsoft? I'm not. I happen to like Microsoft very much, but I don't like the so-called multiple expansion aspect that we're getting right now in the cycle,
3: even even in a world where rates are at zero, essentially well, or with the zero bound,
2: that's like, as a stra- If you're a strategist, you can say that, uh, that that's really what has to happen. Uh, what where I'm uncomfortable is is that when you look at some of these stocks, at what point do you just say, you know what, I don't know if they can do the double digits, right? I mean, you know, if the economy does really slow down, is, is, is Microsoft completely immune from the economy? I mean, I don't think Nadella would say
3: it's completely immune from the economy. No. I mean, they sell plenty of, plenty of services and software to companies that rely on consumers. Right? Right. And those companies we know are not in the best of position right now and conceivably will be cutting back on some of their spending.
2: Right. So I just say I mean, it's the same way. There's a nice note, positive note about Facebook today saying maybe advertising is troughed. Well, advertising hasn't troughed if we're going to get to the situation where all the the PPP and the unemployment benefits uh, shrink back and we don't have a vaccine. You're going to have a hole. And the, the hole is best described by Jamie Dimon's conference call yesterday where everyone he, we people wanted to hear Fortress balance sheet. They they wanted to hear the traditional Jamie. Diamond and what they got was something that said it's an untraditional, a traditional recession. But please don't get overconfident because I'm not overconfident. This Microsoft call, it could be overconfident. I'm using it as a, a paradigm. There are many others that are like it.
1: Carl. Yeah, Jim, uh, you know, listening to you talk about what Diamond said, I'm, I'm looking back at what, one of his quotes, the recessionary part of this, you're going to see down the road. And that couples with what Brainerd and Barkin and Bullard and Harker all said yesterday, Jim. And I wonder why you think they seem to be prepping the market uh, for more stimulus, some argue, at the September meeting. Do we think we're going to run into hard times on August 1st? Well, when you look at
2: how much forbearance uh, was asked for, it was pretty low. Uh, When you look at all the the number of uh, PPP, the companies that took the PPP, it's very high. And so what you start thinking is there's this. The Venusians, uh, the Treasury Secretary, correctly bridge things, uh, provided we have a vaccine quickly. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't know, come September, when we start getting reports in October for this quarter, this, the next quarter, I think we're going to say, wow, it, it slipped back. And that's why you can't
3: be overconfident here, unless Moderna is on a faster track than we realize. And, Carl, as we listen to those opening bells, just real quickly remember almost one in five new cases of a coronavirus around the world came from three states, Florida, Texas and California. We haven't seemed to mention that yet this morning. Uh, The case counts continue to mount, as did the death tolls.
1: Uh, Absolutely true, David. Sixty two thousand. It's uh, as Tom Lee says this morning, the shock value of having 60,000 new cases a day is, is kind of wearing off to some. Uh, there's the bells at the NYSE, the HTEC, Robo Global Healthcare Technology and Innovation ETF at the NASDAQ. It's GoHealth uh, in health insurance marketplace celebrating its IPO. And we'll talk to the CEO on Squawk Alley. Um, but in the meantime, don't forget, it is tax day, Jim. Uh, we never did manage to get that shifted to September. So make sure you file.
2: No, I, I remember going to used to be there was one place. It was the Roosevelt Post Office in Manhattan. That was the place you could do it at 11.59. And I used to rush there and say, oh, man, I got the time stamp. I made it. <laughs> and those were the days when you're just, you know, frantically, you have the shoebox of receipts. Dad, remember the
3: shoebox? Yes, vaguely do remember the shoebox. Yes.
2: Putting together all those things. And yes. I, I I don't – so many things now are done on Intuit, and it's just like that. And I'm jealous of the people who file these days. Uh, Look at this market. I mean, once again, remember, we had a big update yesterday. Uh, Carl, these numbers, you know, we're starting to – there will be a lot of people who have to be converted to bulls pretty soon.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those days – I mean, it's almost written for you, Jim. Carnival leads. And yeah. Kroger is almost the number one laggard along with Clorox and Netflix.
2: Right. it be Clorox. I mean, McCormick was pushed very hard today. But that's the stay at home. We're going to go buy uh, uh, spices to bake. And it opens up high and probably finishes down.
3: Guys, um, a a bit of news to share this morning on the deal front. You know, during that period of March, April, May, we watched deals fall apart. We watched buyers walk away. We watched a number of things head to court. We also have continued concerns about deals that are still out there, as unlikely as it would seem. Uh, that there will be a potential for the p- buyer to walk away. Tiffany, for example, or actually, in that case, even just get a, a lower price. But I come back to this because uh, Forescout today agrees to actually a new deal with uh, what was its previous buyer, Advent International. The old deal was 33, the new deal 29. You may remember uh, Advent basically said, "Now nah, we're not buying you anymore, and just kind of walked away, and lawsuits ensued in Delaware, and they've been getting to that. Uh, but... Rather than actually continue the adjudication there, they agree to a new deal of 29. So that stock is going to be up. Uh, it is halted. I've still got it halted right now. So we'll keep an eye on that because it will be able to close uh, with relative uh, uh, relatively quickly. I want to make sure I see when they uh, when they actually expect it to close. But uh, again, one of those deals that um, we saw and some of them stuck. Right. Remember, I mean, L Brands, Sycamore, that just didn't happen. And they were able to walk away and uh, by mutual consent, surprisingly. This one, a lot of people said Advent did not have a strong case at all. Uh, but rather than go through that, and it had been moved up because there was a timing issue as well, Forscott agrees to reduce the price by four bucks a share.
2: Well, David, how about the vaccine uh, REIT? How about the vaccine REIT that is Simon Properties?
3: What is going on? Let's take a look. I haven't even seen it this morning, Jim.
2: Oh, it flies now. Every time you know the the crowd, the uh, robbing the crowd. I don't even know what you want to call it. They just it's instinctively reach for Simon when they hear that there's a vaccine. Right. Somehow they feel that people will start going to the mall
3: again. The same people who buy Gap stores think it's going to bring out value. It's amazing. Look at SPG. And of course, you mention it in light of the fact that this deal's getting done, and talk about litigation. Of course. That we're not going to see for a while when they finally do get to that. But Simon, walking away from the Taubman deal, many people also wonder there about the strength of their case, Jim. Uh, But, you know, you you do when you see that stock come back, you just wonder, well, maybe they won't feel as bad about having to do it in the first place. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking, that
2: uh, vaccine says deal good. No vaccine says what the heck were we thinking? That is the beginning to be when you start, start talking to CEOs, Carl, off the desk, it, it's really, the discussion is now about Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, it, it, the discussion is about J&J. It is not about, well, how about politics? I never hear politics. All I hear about is vaccine. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's one of the key, one of the unique challenges of this period, This, the binary outcome, Jim. Yeah, I heard you mentioning retail a moment ago. I mean, RBC does upgrade GAAP to outperform, even as right. PVH is... Cutting 12% of its workforce.
2: Yeah, Athleta, they think, is worth a lot. I mean, people uh, tend to think there's actually some real estate value here. And then it's uh, easy, that uh, Kanye, 10-year deal. People think that that's worth a great deal. A very good note from RBC today. It really is interesting what people don't want to own when they feel there's a vaccine coming. They do not want to own Costco. Because it's too consistent, they don't want to own Amazon because they, people feel they're going to go out. Shopify, same way. Uh, Nvidia, one of my favorites. Well, that's a gaming chip and a data center. Who needs that? There's a vaccine. This is the dumbest. I mean, It's not like that. It is it, not like where <laughs> Nvidia is going to do poorly if there's a vaccine. But animal spirits go to um, to Royal Caribbean because people feel you know what? Sail away. Come sail away. We got a vaccine.
3: Right. And I I guess for today, the banks are actually seeing a broader based rally yesterday. Not the case, despite what were stronger than expected numbers from J.P. Morgan and arguably Citi, not Wells Fargo again today. The earnings are from Goldman Sachs. They were a blowout. Stock is backed off, though, from what it looked yes. like in terms of the, uh, the uh, increase. You can see they kind of part of the pack at this point in terms of almost almost a 4% increase. And maybe it comes back to this. You know, the provision for credit losses was $1.59 billion for the second quarter, and that compares to $214 million for a year ago. Uh, they are now at $4.39 billion in total allowance for credit losses. Uh, provisions related to wholesale loans, and they say to a lesser extent consumer loans, Reflecting revisions to forecasts of expected deterioration in the broader economic environment.
2: I thought they're being very conservative, David. But do? it doesn't matter. Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter though, because in this environment, as soon as you see any loan loss that that jumps out, people uh, take a pause. By the way, Wells Fargo, uh, Charlie Sharif, he really was speaking about expenses. He was talking about getting uh, that the bank is fat and unhappy. Uh, and the reason why we had an upgrade today on it was that because they, Charlie said, "Listen,
3: I'm going to cut out 10 billion. How are you going to cut out 10 billion? I mean, wh- what do you do? That's a big number. Isn't that big? Fat and unhappy, though. I mean, drunk, fat, and stupid is nowhere to go through life. I felt it's if emerging. I
2: worked at, at Wells today, I would come in. I'd say, 'Well,
3: geez, I don't know, maybe.' It's not. It's not great. Resume. It's not great for, not great for morale. Else. By I mean, the way, you know, they do have an enormous deposit platform. Goldman did add." Uh, 20 billion in the second quarter uh, and become, they're now at 92 billion. that's Marcus, which still is giving you better rates. and does not have a lot of loan losses. That's algorithmic
2: and it's done a very good job better than people. Algorithms are better than people. by, by the way, Apple card, they took the, they, they put the brakes on, tapped the brakes. Yeah. They could have done a lot more business with Apple, uh, but I think they want to be a little more conservative again because people are concerned that there's going to be this gap. Jamie Dimon had this great line. He said, look, I don't know what's going to happen when the incomes in this first recession where incomes have jumped. Uh, 60 to 70 percent of the people have higher income in this recession. But that does end. And, Carl, you're right to keep mentioning that because it's really coming upon us. I mean, I don't know what the economy is going to look like. It's not like, by the way, no, it's not like, well, suddenly, you know what, I'm going to cancel that trip because no one's taking a trip anyway. Uh, You see these cash balances go up because no one's doing anything. I mean, what is there to do? Honestly, what do people do? Yeah, I mean, you can't uh, go to the movies. Uh, what do you do? Are you guys uh, doing it. July anything? 25th.
1: <laughs> no. July, July 25th is a uh, ten day, in 10 days, obviously. Uh, and it sort of brings to mind the downgrade of Amex, uh, gyms yes. over at J.P. Morgan. They go to underweight. Second high-profile downgrade in about a week. I know Citi went to neutral. And again, the theme is uh, higher-income consumers in this case doing less discretionary spending, stuck at home, not traveling, T&E. Um, yep. meaning uh, relative underperformance.
2: I thought that was a very good call. People have really underestimated the dramatic decline in t and By the way, I'm trying to figure out from the banks what would happen if people had actually worked at central headquarters. I you know, Jamie Dimon thinks that's a good thing. Uh, some of these, I can't believe Goldman was able to trade from home. I mean, Goldman's like, you know, these guys, you know, they're in their pajamas making a fortune. Uh, but I do think that Home Depot has been the barometer of where the money goes. Uh, Stanley works, to Stanley Black & Decker. Yeah, people are doing things at their home. They're gardening, that's Tractor Supply. David, I know that's one of your favorites. Always, of course, D- yes. David, Tractor Supply has the best set of gardening gloves. Mm-hmm. So when we go...
3: Okay. Oh, that's right, I forgot you, do, you don't do anything. I don't do a thing. All right. Nothing, except at 6.01, I start to do this. But I do wait every what is, day. What is that? You asked what we do earlier, I, what do you mean, what is that? And What's it's not that? Zoom. Are, forget OJ? the Zoom drinks. OJ? Yeah, that's OJ. <laughs> Actually, I had that, that Co- fancy tequila last night. Oh, that beautiful bottle. Yeah yeah, 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 that's that just one. killer, man.
2: Ooh, Watch out. Man. I charged $25 a drink at my bar. Oh, you, oh, the, bar. Yeah, oh the bar. Oh, sorry. No. God, Carl. the margins on that used to be great, <laughs> didn't it, Jim? You know? Yeah. Oh, man, you could. Uh, people were blind for three days from the other stuff. The uh, call we haven't talked about oil going over 40 with an OPEC meeting. Uh, suddenly, again, people are, yeah. those yeah. people just can't resist. They just say, hey, you know what? It's Chevron's time. I mean, honestly, guys, Battery Day, September 22nd. Battery Day is going to be, could could cause oil to drop $5. Now, now I'm talking about Elon Musk with Battery Day, which earlier was supposed to be like in April. But does it matter? It's Elon Musk. I mean, we're just, it's going to have a battery that lasts 10 hours. It's his
3: simulation. We're just living in it.
2: Yeah. But he didn't. He doesn't yeah. like me. I don't really mm. care. A lot of people don't um, like me.
3: Guys, every day I'm going to mention SPACs because they are the thing now. And so I want to go through uh, the quickest, the latest on all SPACs. Um, remember, there's different gestations. You announce that you're going to actually uh, mount an offering. You file an S-1 to create the blind pool of capital that then you're going to go out and do a deal. So this morning we've got Fortress Value Acquisition Corp., which is already obviously an existing SPAC, announcing their deal. They're buying rare, uh, this company, MP Materials. It's a rare earth uh, company, um, and it's going to have a post-transaction equity value of about a billion and a half. That one, we can actually see how the stock is doing. Deerfield Health, small, uh, I mean, large hedge fund, small SPAC focused on health care. That's their area of expertise at Deerfield. That's a, a small raise. And then HPX. This one caught my attention. Why? Well, uh, for a number of reasons, but Jim, one of them is simply that uh, it's 20 million units, so it's about 200 million bucks. The founders are Bernardo Hees, Carlos Piani, and uh, Rodrigo Xavier. Oh my! Remember Bernardo Hees? Remember him? Oh yeah. You know, remember the how the stock did during his tenure from 15 to 19 at Kraft? Maybe we can remind people. Take a look. Oh. Um, but take, do we have the stock? Do we have that graph? I was hoping we did. Anybody can get money. Um, a- 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 anybody can get weirds. money. I mean, that guy. Um, he, but remember, David, he was going to buy Unilever. It was just everything's yes, going to save the day. So there it is. So there, you got that going oh. for you. Uh, okay. That's the period of time that he was. But by the way, this is what they say they're going to do. And, of course, you, know, you got to focus on that. They're, they're, they expect management, the management team to deploy a proactive thematic sourcing strategy. And focus their efforts on companies where they believe the combination of the founders' operating experience, deal-making, track record, professional relationships, and capital markets expertise can be catalysts to enhance the growth potential and value of a target business. There you go. Wow. So I'm sure you're going to... They left out about.
2: FinTech, uh, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Yeah, wh-
3: why and not cloud. throw those in there? It's a cloud-based food company. Why not throw those in there? But And tomorrow we'll probably get Ackman's gigantics back, um, at least sort of hitting. Um, this is... Again, a continued area of focus, an alternative for companies to go public. Remember, again, the process is you raise the money first. So that's when we talk about the offering. That's what's happening with this pricing of this deal we were just talking about. And then you obviously do the deal. We'll see how Fortress uh, performs today as well. Uh, And guys, real quickly on CoreLogic, which I've been following closely, of course, the only really contested. Kind of nasty situation out there. They did have that meeting yesterday, CoreLogic's management, some directors as well, with uh, Kanai and uh, Senator. Um, they want to be able to do due diligence. They want uh, a level of customer level diligence. They're not getting that from the guys at CoreLogic at this point who say, no, raise your bid first, then we'll give you diligence. In fact, It's the other way from the other guys. They're saying, no, give us diligence. Then we might raise our bid. There's a look at CoreLogic at 67. Other private equity firms scrambling out there at least to try to figure out if they want to try and do something here. No formal process obviously underway at this point. Unclear whether there will be one. But you can act by written consent and call a special meeting. They say they may do that as soon as they're allowed to, July 28th. Carl.
1: All right, guys, we got above 27K for the first time since uh, mid-June. Uh, Goldman leads the Dow. Uh, retail and travel lead the S&P. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob.
0: Hey, Carl. Uh, essentially flat on the Remember, we're back thirty two thirties where the S&P was. We're essentially there. Take a look at sectors. Uh, banks having a good day, as David mentioned. Now, they normally dip during this week when the earnings season comes out. Up today, uh, regional bank numbers were fairly good uh industrials leading energy so you see cyclicals up techs are lagging mega cap is sort of mixed this morning consumer staples also lagging uh, as Carl mentioned the reopening stocks are strong it's important to mention how these things are like ping pong balls though most of these stocks the big travel names that you see the Hertz's and the United Airlines and the Carnival Cruise Line uh stocks they're uh, 30 to 40% off their June pe- peaks and 60%, in some cases, 70% off of where they were in February. So whenever you see these numbers, these big moves up in daily, remember, uh, on a a comparative basis, they're still pretty way down here. The market's got a problem right now. It's very confused on what it should be looking at. Look at the S&P. It's moved in a 100-point range in the last couple of days here, and we're sort of at the top end of that trading range that you see. Uh, But 100 points, 1,000 points in the Dow, uh, that's a lot even by the standards that we've been getting used to in the Last few months. So two things are competing for market attention. These are the five buckets we always talk about and what really moves the markets overall. The big thing is the treatment and vaccine story. And essentially what's happening, if you look at the market, the message of the market, as Ron and Sano used to like to say, we're all in on a vaccine and a treatment. That, that's why the market's holding up so well. The problem is the reopening story. The other major mover, it's at a reopen or a reclosing story. Lale Brainerd got a lot of attention yesterday, warning of that double dip in the economic activity. She has a lot of credibility out there. And that note was widely passed around about her comments here. A lot of debate on how intense the stimulus is. McConnell seems a little bit lukewarm on going towards over $1 and maybe to the $2 trillion level. Nobody's quite sure what's going on there. Uh, as for everything else, China tensions. David mentioned this. It's ratcheting up Reducing that special status for Hong Kong's an issue out there, and trade's an issue still uh, floating out there. And as for valuations, well, what can you say? Most opinions on the street believe tech's overvalued right now. But in the absence of a complete shutdown, the market's saying we're putting all our chips on improved treatment and a vaccine. And valuation, okay. Listen, in, they're high, but interest rates are historically low. Where else are we going to go? That's kind of the market's attitude right now. As for the banks, just take a look here, all on the upside here, at least the opening was, was on the upside here. I think the key here is focus on the regional banks. US Bank Corp and PNC had higher provisions, but not as bad as well as Fargo. That's a good sign. PNC updated their 2020 guidance. They're talking about a 2 to 5% decline in revenue. So already we can sort of see some trends here with regional banks. I talk regional, not the ones, the super, the, the big money center banks that have trading operations. Here's some of the trends that are pretty clear already. There's higher provisioning for loan losses, although Wells Fargo is a bit of an outlier. Low, average loans are, are, are lower, the amount of loans. Fees tend to be a little lower, and that's an important part of their revenues for these regionals. And net interest margins generally are weaker. As for Goldman Sachs here, just remember, this is a trading operation. 50% comes from that global markets, that's the trading operation. It was 58% above analyst estimates. That's how far off the analysts were. And even investment banking, they were way off. And so this was a blowout quarter. Again, the key point here is Goldman Sachs does not have a lot in common with the regional banks uh, like PNC or U.S. Corp. Carl, back to you.
1: All right, Bob, thanks. Uh, Goldman Sachs, the second biggest Dow gainer at the moment, right behind Raytheon. We'll take a break here, as we did get above 27K for just a minute. Hanging on to 3232. Former Fed Chair Ben Bernanke has a message for D.C. lawmakers in the wake of the pandemic. Uh, give states billions, and you help the entire country. Uh, that's the title of his op-ed in today's New York Times. He says that Congress must act decisively to avoid repeating the mistakes of the recovery from the Great Depression. Jim, we talked about uh, consumer uh, fiscal cliffs at the end of the month. There's going to be uh, state fiscal cliffs as well.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the health care costs alone have been, it's just been incredible. And I think that you're, there's no uh, turning back here. You, you spend all this money for individuals, but you got to save the health care system. And I think that People are really ignoring that that's just a black hole. There's a lot of people who don't seem to be very un- unrealistic about, about what this has done to our economy uh, and what it's done to the states. And I think people have to pay attention to it. By the way, if you want a great piece in The New York Times, uh, Jim Stewart, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, <laughs> author Jim Stewart did a piece yesterday about uh, Epstein and Deutsche Bank and name names. Mention the people who uh, uh, really made this guy, let this guy get away with it at Deutsche Bank. Highly recommend reading it because it turns out that it's banks are not faceless. they are actual individuals who do terrible things. I'm not going to name them because because I'm Jimmy Chill. But you must read it because uh, I just think it's just spectacular. It's the first time I've ever seen people outed for being really bad people and abetting someone who was a monster. Deutsche Bank, Jim.
3: You follow Which, any road, it leads. I mean, half the time when there's not something bad going on, it seems to have led back to Deutsche Bank. Yeah, it does. It does. David, what kind of compliance do they have?
2: Rubber stamp. It blows in the window. Ka-ching.
1: Yeah. And in some cases, they were not Deutsche Lifers. They had come from other banks as well, guys. Yep. And uh, went By to the banks. way, <laughs> take a look at the S&P. Look at that year-to-date S&P positive again by four, what is that, uh, five-tenths? <laughs> uh, first time since June 8th that the S&P has been green for the year. Back in a minute. Take a look at some of the NASDAQ 100 gainers here this morning. Uh, it's as if we're all going to travel. Uh, again, Expedia, Trip.com, Marriott among the top five, all with gains close to 7%. More Squawk on the Street continues in just a moment. Let's get to gym and stop trading.
2: Carl, you may not know Robin Farley works at UBS. She'd been negative on Harley-Davidson. She's the ax forever. She upgrades it today and just says, it is time. Uh, even though it won't fix the demand problem, they're losing money pursuing some initiatives. But remember, this isn't outdoor stock. Now people might say, hey, wait a second, vaccine, you won't do it. But I went to a Harley-Davidson store about like two years ago and I brought the demographic down. I think that's changing. I like Harley here. Uh, Earnings per share, okay, but the fact is I love it when a bear goes to a bull hog.
1: Yeah, uh, I know BMO uh, upgraded it yesterday, Jim. They just uh, announced layoffs, which I think they branded uh, in the AK as uh, they called it the rewire, which sort of points to everything we we talk about, companies trying to increase operating leverage uh, through layoffs. Yeah, new
2: CEO uh, taking no prisoners, TNP. Uh, so I think Carly, for those who are looking for a travel stock that hasn't really moved yet, get, get on board Harley. It's fun. My friend when, my friend Haley has one. They are a blast to ride on.
1: <laughs> Jim, how about tonight?
2: Biohaven is the spokesperson for, National Migraine, for the American Migrate Foundation, the AMF David, which is not a bowling alley. Right. American Mount, I, this man's a hero to a lot of people. It's a pill. I take it. Uh, I, it melts in your tongue. And about... Fifteen minutes later, the migraine goes away. It is just extraordinary. And uh, it's just, it's a miracle for those who have migraine. Biohaven is just revered. 40 million people. Pop. Doesn't uh, even taste bad.
1: It, it, Jimmy, you're the like a Chief advocate for that.
2: Well, I just think that there's so many <laughs> people Hudson. who have it. They don't know about these drugs. Mm-hmm. I talked to Sarah. Sarah Eisen, mm-hmm. she didn't know about it a long time ago. I was like, I'm trying to get everybody to know about these CGRP drugs. They're huge. Uh, Allergan now AbbVie has one, too.
1: You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC business news updates wherever you get your podcasts.